in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the CEO Raider Podcast with your host, John Maeda. If you like this podcast, leave us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcast content. Facebook, I wanted to talk about Facebook. This was a, a news item from a couple of weeks ago, but it's something that we've talked about a couple of times on this podcast, if not more. I've written about it, and specifically what the topic is, is that Facebook has held conversations with banks, and what Facebook wants banks to do is to share customer depository information, so card transactions, checking account balances, this type of thing, with Facebook Messenger, so that Facebook could provide services on Messenger to allow users to transact. And in exchange, Facebook will share user data. Google has had similar transactions. Amazon, similar transactions. More about getting banks to integrate on their voice assistant platforms. So to give you the ability to use Google Home or the Alexa platform to conduct bank transactions. But in the case of Facebook, so the banks are a little hesitant at the moment because of the Cambridge Analytica issue with Facebook and the larger privacy issue. They will acquiesce. The banks will acquiesce. The banks are... Uh, they've essentially been commoditized. There are very few services that are not commodity services. For example, trading futures, settling futures transactions. But in terms of depository transactions and even institutional trading, much of institutional trading, straight equities, traditional fixed income securities, all that stuff is a commodity service at this juncture. And the banks are feeling pressure. Not only have their traditional services become commodities, but now that they're getting squeezed from uh newer fintech players that are in the market. So you have some of the established fintech guys that have been around for years, like PayPal. You have some of the newer folks like Square. And so I think it's a foregone conclusion that you'll see the banks share data with Facebook. Now you could argue this has been going on for years and in one form or or another, whereby you've had, well, you see it in your day-to-day life with with what's called cross-device tracking. That enables a market marketer to follow you from your phone to your tablet device to your desktop device. That knows who you are based on sort of your, your your browser actions that you've taken on your browser. So some of it's cookie based, some of it some of it is not. There are various statistical models that that allow online marketers to track you, deterministic, non-deterministic models. But what's unique about cross-device tracking, particularly with non-deterministic models, is the technology knows who you are in the sense that from a geographical standpoint, it knows where you are. It knows which devices are yours, but it doesn't know that your name is John Doe. It doesn't know your checking account number. Cross-device tracking combined with some other marketing technology enables marketers to have a sense as to what your income is based on where you live and the statistics associated with that population and things like this. You can get anonymized bank data. Investnet has that capability. Now, some marketers will combine cross-device capability with other technology services. So, for example, Investnet, which acquired a company called Yodley that I used to know from a decade or so ago. Yodley captures customer deposit data from what I used to know them, the 12 largest banks in North America. I'm not sure what their roster is today. But Yodley would capture all of that depository data marry it with address information, things like this, and could paint a picture as to what average income was 
on a city block, in a particular city, a particular zip code, what people are spending their money on, this type of thing. Although Yodley, Yodley's data was anonymized. So this is all nameless, faceless data. Real bank data, but people's names, their PII data, people's PII data was not attached to Yodley's data. Point being, what has happened up to now, and this Facebook deal isn't, isn't done, but let's assume it gets done. So up until the point that this deal gets done, most of the data that's out there about you is anonymized. So the anonymity goes away. That's why this is a big deal. The third party, the bank, who you've entrusted your PII data to, is going to hand it off to, to Facebook for the bank's benefit because they know they're getting their butt kicked. So it's only a matter of time. If, you, if, you, if you're a younger person, I'd say if you're 30 and under, you, you, probably, you don't raise an eyebrow. If you're my age, if you're sort of in your 40s, even if you're in your 50s, you, you probably knew this day was coming because you've been aware with companies like Amex and Axiom and Oracle and others with LiveRamp and so on and so forth. You're aware of what companies have been doing and that this day was coming. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, little bit, it's a little bit scary because if you think about, let's say, post-deal, now Facebook knows everything about you, including your financial history. If you think about what Apple and others are doing, excuse me, Amazon and others, but particularly Amazon around facial recognition, facial recognition in the cloud, I can envision in the next decade where the U.S. looks like the city of London that has a closed circuit camera on, well, not one on every block, but multiple. So you have closed circuit TV cameras, drones, feeding real-time data, facial rec recognition data, to the cloud, whether it's AWS, and now that AWS has rolled it out, I'm sure it's a matter of time before Google rolls it out. Palantir supposedly killed their government contracting business, so I would guess they're not in that space. But everybody's face is tagged. Financial history is known. All your PII data is known. Everything is in the cloud. Everything about you is going to be in one of three clouds and probably two of three clouds. And those three cloud platforms are Google, AWS, and Facebook's cloud. And now let's say that at, a, at the federal level, the government wants to track this stuff. They want to backdoor into all the clouds, to the three major clouds, and then knit those disparate data sets together. So anything stored about you in AWS, Google, and Facebook would be knit together by the NHS. Plus, they have the phone records already. So, so that's one. <laughs> Every intimate data element about you is going to be in the cloud. Number two, security becomes an issue. You know, it's one thing if uh, a social security number gets hacked. That's already happened. But what if everything about you gets hacked? Medical records, bank account information. Somebody else hacks your data, pretends they're you. We've moved to a digital-first economy, and there's no real way for you to authenticate yourself versus somebody else claiming to be you. So that's the risk. So there's the privacy concern issue, and then there's the risk of identity management and losing your identity and the, the financial risk and every other risk that goes along with that. This is where blockchain comes in. This is something we haven't spent a, a ton of time on. That's something I looked at in my prior life uh, in the PNC insurance industry around fraud, was deploying blockchain solutions. Blockchain is a distributed database where there is a public record for every transaction that occurs on the distributed database or network and that all participants in that transaction have real-time access to the full ledger. And the way it sort of works is, let's say you're John Doe, and you're trying to conduct a transaction. Well, only you could initiate that transaction, which then triggers 
other elements in the transaction to take place. And those various elements would be owned by other participants in the transaction who are on the network. So it makes it a heck of a lot easier to, a heck of a lot more difficult rather, to execute a fraudulent transaction. So you could think about something as simple as buying items at the grocery store. Uh, many of the large banks, JP Morgan, some of the custodian banks like, like State Street Bank, have conducted numerous trials on the blockchain network for, for trading securities. I think both equities and fixed income. And they haven't had a hiccup in terms of trade execution, trade settlement. I think for sure you could see it in healthcare IT with electronic medical records. I think you could see it for smart contracts. So if you think about purchasing a home, purchasing a piece of land, lease agreements, rental agreements, all that stuff can go up in the blockchain, easy authentication, essentially instant authentication, voting. I think West Virginia ran a trial for voting in an election where the entire process would be put on the blockchain network. I think that makes a lot of sense. So in any event, you know, a lot of these conversations have to take place simultaneously. I think it's a foregone conclusion that banks will share our data with third parties such as Facebook. I think that's a done deal. So I think the privacy issue, the genie's out of the bottle. Now it's a question of how do you secure this data. That's all for now. See you next time.